today we are talking about road tripping 20-something-year-olds. We are talking about people being hung up on meat hooks. We are talking about people screaming through the woods for 20 minutes and talking about someone screaming in a house for over an hour. It is the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. A movie that people think is a disgustingly grotesque, bloody movie, but you don't barely see any blood in the movie at all. Almost none. It's because it's so executed to make you feel the way you're supposed to feel. Like, oh my God, wasn't it gross when you saw the chainsaw going through him in the wheelchair? Nope, well, you didn't see the chainsaw going through him. <laughs> wasn't it gross when you saw the hook go through her? Nope, you never saw the hook go through her. So I thought that, that Toby Hooper did such a fantastic job on this. One of the big things that happened on set, though, surprisingly, even though it, the film is so well put together, is that Toby Hooper was constantly fighting and arguing his own producers on this because the producers fought adamantly that this be like a serious like horror slasher film where Toby Hooper wanted it to be just a straight up like blood comedy, which is again what you get with his sequel like 10 years later, The Texas Chainsaw Massacre Part 2 is closer to what he wanted, which I still say I have to prefer the original one. <laughs> I The Part 2 was awful. Even though it had Dennis Hopper, it was still such a... The part 2 was a terrible movie. Because when it comes to being horror and like slapstick comedy, it doesn't really mingle too much for me. So did you know Texas Chainsaw, I think it was part four, the one that was only like 80 minutes long. It was the start of a career for two actors. Renee Zellweger and... One. Yep. What's the other one? Matthew McConaughey. Yep. And they both fought hard to have this movie not released. <laughs> Well, they fought hard for it to be delayed at least a few more years until they had a couple more movies released to show that just in case that movie is released first and all the casting agents would think they're terrible actors and never hire them again. So they're like, no, 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 please release this in X amount of years by the time we've already had other movies released so we can have a career. <laughs> and granted, even though that the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre is my favorite horror film of all time, I still have not seen the um, third and fourth movies from the late 80s and 90s. Oh, uh, the third. Actually, I'll tell you this. The second one out of those, out of the original four, the only one I really didn't like that much was the second one. And I'll be honest, I'm not a huge Texas Chainsaw fan. So I'm more into my slashers being um, one killing machine or obviously Scream was more of a comedy, but like the Michael Myers, the Freddy Kruegers, uh, Jason Voorhees. And I know that your favorite version of Texas Chainsaw Massacre out of all the films was actually the Michael Bay produced 2003 remake. Exactly. Yep. I love that one. I love the sequel to that one. Also, when they started doing the, the crazy backstory of everything. Mm -hmm. um, no, I like those two. Actually, I do prefer the remake over uh, the original in this. Not to say I don't like the original. I do like the original, but... One fun fact about um, the remake of Texas Chainsaw Massacre from 2003, mm -hmm. it's the same cinematographer as the original film. And it shows actually because I was gonna, I was just getting ready to say the original film and the remake looks very, very similar, uh, direction wise. They added a few, obviously they added the gore into it, but it just, it, honestly, it looked very, very similar. Um, that's why I kind of like it, the more updated version of it. So. Yeah. This cinematographer, he loves to show like actual black colors on screen, like actual shadows, which is why I love his work with the original film, even though the original film was just um, a very low budget grade, like home video style of a 16 millimeter camera that even with shooting their night scenes, to me, their night scenes actually look like they took place at night and not like too exposed to where you can see more. But I like that he played with actual blacks on the screens of like the shadows. I'm like this looks more like actual fucking night. I love this. So let me ask you a question. How come Leatherface does not get iconic status like the other ones? Oh, I think he does actually. It's just... I don't think he's up there with Freddy, Jason, and uh, Michael. No way. 
he does get iconic status, but the the big surprise that comes in for people that hear about Leatherface and they hear all the tales about him and how like scary he is and oh he god he wears like people's faces it's so scary he's like so scary then people will go back and actually watch say the original one for the very first time and realize yeah he's in it but he's not like necessarily the main villain in it so like that kind of actually throws people off for a loop it is because when i for a year even though i saw texas chainsaw as a kid when i went back and watched I'm like, oh that's right it's not just one killer it's his whole psychotic family mm-hmm. that does it and then part two emphasizes more on the psychotic family. People don't realize either Texas Chainsaw Massacre came out, what, three years before Halloween? Yeah, it was 1974. So 74, so four years before Halloween is this movie came out. And this movie, it's so funny, is like when people go to revisit, there's a certain point where they talk about slasher films, about how terrible they were and how gory they were. Halloween and Texas Chainsaw Massacre were not gory at all. The gore craze, I think, started with um, Friday the 13th, wouldn't you say? Slowly over time, it would be what Friday the 13th and Nightmare on Elm Street would become is what turned into more of the gore craze. Yeah, I mean, because the original Halloween and then uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I mean, Texas Chainsaw was a very well-made movie. Uh, that was one of the very first movies I saw, in, actually, until probably Friday the 13th Part 2, where you saw a guy in a wheelchair in a horror film. And he still made it out to be spoilers. Like, the last person technically died before the final girl. He still made it throughout almost the entire film. Yeah. Uh, and then the, then the infamous, everybody thinks you see the chainsaw rip as part of his body and you don't. No, it's just you get a shot like from behind the wheelchair to see his silhouette lit up in the light as Leatherface is going in and out of his body with the chainsaw. Yeah. And you get a close-up of his sister Sally screaming her lungs off. And then you get a few close-ups of Leatherface's like face and that's really about it. Now, how many times did Gunnar Hansen, whatever his name is, played Leatherface? Just the one time, right? Um, Maybe twice? No, um, Gunnar Hansen really only did play him for that just that original film, but he's still famous for playing him in just the one film. Yeah, and this was very much like a almost like an independent budget film for back in the day. Um, like because back in uh, 1973 or 74 when they shot it, they shot it for a budget of um, three hundred thousand dollars, which today would of course be a budget of like almost one point seven million. But that's still like micro budget like film, and it's it it exploded when it came out. It, it was a lot more successful than they thought it would be. Because back in, um, like, it, it only got released in a couple of territories internationally, so it only made, like, $1 million there. So almost all of its money was here in the United States, and that's, like, a little, it made a little more than $30 million in 74, which is, today, if it opened, like, this year, it would have made, just in the United States alone, $175 million. That's how much it exploded. Yeah, there was, I mean, it was, it was very well done. I mean, I will say this, too, is uh, the whole concept, I know they, they try to keep saying, which I don't follow it. Just the only thing that the concept is he wears skin on his face is, oh, this is based on Ed Gein. It was based on Ed Gein for that. Well, yeah, but he, he worked alone and he did weird stuff. He didn't have a whole family of murderers, but... Well, the thing is, when they always portray, oh, based on a true story, uh, like, no, it should be inspired by a true story because there are two different films that took two different aspects of Ed Gein's life to make two different movies. One was this one, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and the other one was 1960s Psycho. Yeah. So if you watch both of them together, it's kind of what Ed Gein was, because Ed Gein, of course, was a bit obsessed with his mother, and he kept her, like, taxidermied corpse in the basement, just like Norman Bates. But then the other thing that Texas Chainsaw Massacre took is that 
he would sometimes eat certain parts of his victims and he would recycle their body parts into furniture, which is when you watch the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre, you see there's human and animal bones and skins. That oh, everywhere on the whole house. Yeah. Repurposed into furniture, lampshades and shit like that. And that the film was actually so low budget that a lot of those animal skeletons, well, essentially every single animal skeleton that you saw and some of the human bones that you saw were actual remains because it was cheaper to get real remains than it was to make plastic ones. So let me answer this. Why wouldn't you throw Buffalo Bill, or whatever, Buffalo Bob, Buffalo Bill, what was his name, from Silence of the Lambs in there? Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. He was slightly inspired by... Well, anyway, um, we would get chunky well. women, um, mm -hmm. and you would starve them and then take their skin. Mm -hmm. And he would skin them. I forgot about that reference. Yeah. I was just talking about that today with someone about those movies. But let me answer this. So if you, you said you didn't see three and four, correct? Correct. Have you seen the two new ones that came out in the... In the 2000s. I mean, the, the late, the last like 10 years. Yeah, I, I did see the remake and the prequel. And I also saw the uh, 3D sequel that came out just called Texas Chainsaw. That was that terrible, was like actually. A, that was awful. Did you it was, I, I, I went into him? it with my brain turned off and just have a good time. So therefore, I had a good time. The 3D was excellent. The, the 3D was amazing. It was also the very first film ever for Clint Eastwood's son, Scott Eastwood. Oh, okay. Well, uh, which was he? He the... played the uh, cop who, at the very end, turned out to be part of like the family that was like always trying to destroy the Leatherface family. Yeah, and that's what sucked. I was like, they tried to make you have sympathy for after Leatherface. Literally, him and the family killed all these people. Um, so I did. What was the other one? The other one was just called Leatherface. I have not seen that yet. I heard that by all accounts, that was terrible. That one's part three. That's the title of part three. Yeah, I heard that one was terrible. But the uh, the Texas Chainsaw one called just Texas Chainsaw 3D that came out. Um, that was the whole like new Halloween treatment where, oh, it's a present-day sequel to just the original movie. And now, as we get... If you're wa listening to this episode the day it drops, uh, Friday the 18th, uh, we now have a new sequel dropped on Netflix, which is also like a present-day sequel to the original film style, very much like Halloween. So this is going to be a direct sequel to the original? Yep. Just like how Halloween was a direct sequel to the previous one. Okay, wait. So well, you're telling me, all right, so I know 2003 and 2006, whatever it was, the two new Texas Chainsaws came out, one and two. Then I know the 3D one came out and Leatherface. You tell me there's another one? Yeah, it, it comes out the very day they're releasing this episode on Netflix. Oh, no, no. I'm talking about, no, I know that. And I'm talking about the ones that have already come out. So I know the original four, then you got the two remakes. I, I don't remember all their titles, but we have the original, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Then we have part three, two, and then we have part three, which was called Leatherface. And then we had part four with um, Renee and Matthew, yeah. uh, Next Generation. Then we got the remake, yep. its prequel. Then we got the 3D film. Yep. And then we got one that was released direct-to-video that was supposed to be a prequel to the original movie, which I hadn't seen yet, but I heard it wasn't very good Yeah, that's well. one called Leatherface. That's just called yeah. Leatherface. Yeah, there's there's two of them that have Leatherface in the title. <laughs> yeah, this one's just literally called, and I, I tried to watch. I'm like, oh my god, this is so incredibly bad. <laughs> I haven't even seen like a single trailer yet for the new one that's dropping the same day this episode drops. So I'm trying to keep myself surprised. Like I've seen a few production photos, but that's about it. And from what I know is to make it very much in the style of like Halloween being a direct sequel to the original is, granted, it's not the same actress, but we have Sally back. As like someone in her like her fifties or sixties or whatever, back as an adult, still trying to find Leatherface and hunt him down, kind of like how Laurie Strode in the new movies is much older and still trying to find Michael and hunt him down. See, it would make it much unless the original actress is dead, but it'll make it cool that the original the original actress. actress is still alive, but they just didn't bring her back. 
And let's face it, um, if it's, here's what's hard about that. I mean, is it literally take place 50 years later? Yes. Okay, so that whole family's got, that whole family's got to be dead. Leatherface will be like almost 70. How could they be alive? Because they were all in the 30s and 40s when they were in the, except for the grandfather's probably like 100. Uh, I think, I granted, I haven't seen the trailers because I want to be surprised, but I think it's just Leatherface by himself still alive. Then he'd be pushing, what, mid-70s? Mm-hmm. Kind of like how Michael's like in his like early 60s in the new ones. <laughs> well, Michael in the first one, right, so in the one that came out in 2018, Michael would have been 61 years old. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because, yeah. Well, I guess, I mean, I don't know how he's getting with that arthritis. He could be wheeling around that chainsaw. <laughs> <laughs> Geriatric Leatherface. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I will say this. Let's really quick. Let's compare the original one to the first uh, remake. Now, did you like the remake at all, or no? Yeah, I enjoyed it. You did okay, but you still, but you liked the original one way better. For me, um, the remake is a good horror film, like a good dark, scary slasher, like more serious horror film. Mm -hmm. But for me, the way the remake plays out, you could say the remake is a bit more for you could say a steadier audience. It's not, as compared to the original one, throwing more, like, fucking crazy-ass shit, like, down your throat and into your face to really, like, unnerve you, if you know what I mean. Yeah, but they, they, they tried to do that, replace... That's, that's the problem with remakes and all that. They try to replace the shock value with gore value, and that doesn't always play out in war. Mm-hmm. And the reason why I love the original one is because it's, you could say, shock value is just how these characters are interacting with one another, their environment and the sense of like dread of like these people are literally fucking batshit crazy. Like one of them could just like all of a sudden snap and slice my throat open and then just like fucking drink my blood or some shit. What the fuck is going on? This is true. And I, you know, I will say this is that I think the only reason I like the original one, I mean the remake better than the original is because of the advanced cinematography, the advanced, uh, the way the movie looked. Because the other one in the 70s was super gritty. And the remake one had, like, I, I can't describe this hue in this film. It's just like when the sun set, it had a certain look in the film. Mm -hmm. I just liked it. I just literally liked it a lot. It's because the remake was a lot, you could say the remake is a lot more of a polished film compared to the original one. Because the original one was very much, like, essentially an independent film. And the only ones that, I think the only one that was actually a comedy was part two because three and four were not comedies anymore. They had comedic elements, but they were not comedy because literally Texas Chainsaw part two was a full-blown comedy. Yeah. I mean, when the movie starts out, when a pickup truck going backwards across a bridge is going faster than a Mercedes Benz going forward, that was the most ridiculous. Like, oh, come on. And then you got Leatherface playing with someone's corpse to scare someone. <laughs> yeah, it was just such a weird, weird... And plus... And their family hideout is in an abandoned theme park. Yeah, and what, Dennis Hopper was the sheriff going... Or whatever he was going after them? Yeah, because one of their unseen victims that we didn't get, didn't get a chance to see before the first film was like his daughter or something like that. Yeah, like his child or something. He was going after, yeah. And I don't remember much. I'll have to watch the second one again because I really don't remember much. And then the only thing I remember about part three was Ken Forey, who was one of my favorite uh, horror film actors. He was the main star of um, the original Dawn of the Dead. But he was, uh, yeah, I liked him. So that's, I mean, that's what I remember about that one. The fourth one, I just remember the real bad acting of us. Oh, Kermit McConaughey, because they were terrible. <laughs> If you haven't seen it, it's, it's a good watch because it's like, you look at it, it's like, oh, wow, and this is the guy just came out in his... I mean, literally, he says his first movie is um, 
dazed and confused. And he always says his first line ever spoken, that's why he does it all the time, is, all right, all right, all right. And I, the only part about part four that I actually know of just based on seeing like images from it is I know for at least one of the scenes, Leatherface does drag. I don't even remember part four at all. Like there's this one image I've seen where he's like literally in a woman's dress and he's made himself look like he's got boobs and he's wearing a woman's um, wig with a woman's face. That would be Ed Gein-like. <laughs> that would definitely be Ed Gein-like. Have you seen, uh, so did you see Texas Chainsaw at the beginning? When they introduced Arlie Ermey, they gave him more of a role. Yeah, the prequel to the remake. Yeah. Did you like that one? or? Yeah, that was enjoyable. It also introduced me to um, famous gay actor Matt Bomber. Who did he play in that? I didn't even know Matt Bomber was in that, to be honest with you. He was just one of the random kids that gets killed in the group. He's the, he's the one with like the, that really striking, bright, baby blue eyes. Yeah, I haven't... Uh, I have not seen the prequel, part two prequel. And oh my God, I, it's got to be since it came out, probably. So whenever it came out, it was probably the last time I saw it. You'd remember from me showing you um, American Horror Story Hotel. Oh, I know who Matt Bomber is. I don't remember. I did not know he was in Texas Chainsaw too. But no, um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre at the beginning, that's like one of his very first like film roles. I think it might even be like one of, like if not the first. Yeah, I had no clue here because then again, I have not seen that one since it came out. I've seen the remake one quite a few times actually. All right, so remember the wheelchair scene in the original one, right? There's a few of them. Did you like the fact in the remake that they showed it, but they also showed him being ripped apart? Yeah, well, in the remake, her brother also was not in a wheelchair at all. He was up and walking around. No, but who's the person that was in the wheelchair in the remake? It was a family member of theirs. Yeah, it was. I know it wasn't the brother. It was somebody else, but... Yeah, but who was... I don't know who it was. I do like in the original one where her brother is in a wheelchair, and it adds more tension because it's like, oh, fuck, is this guy going to be the first one to go? There's no way he fucking survives. Oh, my God. And then when she's trying to run away from him through these field of tall grass, tall this, and rocks, and she's not leaving her brother behind, and then all of a sudden, boom, Leatherface pops out with the fucking, um... That's still one of the most famous jump scares in cinema history, actually. Because there's no, like, music cue like there is now, where it's like, ah, music, ah, it's more like, we're just going through the woods, we're looking for Jerry, we're all yelling Jerry's name, and, um, her brother Franklin is like, Sally, stop, I think I see something, stop, stop, and then chainsaw noise, and rip apart, it's like, oh, fuck, I love that part. You know what I liked about the original too? That's that that no actually no horror film was ever duplicated was the dance scene with the chainsaw at the end of the original. Oh yeah, that's so iconic. That is without a doubt every horror film you can do Nightmare on Elm Street, the original ending of that, which to this day Wes Craven, I mean to the day he died, he hated that ending. Then the Halloween ending is you know iconic, but there's nobody there. That's just nobody there. Friday the Thirteenth, you know iconic and well pulled under the water, dream sequence, whatever. But Texas, she gets away with the truck driver. They pull away, and there he is going all crazy. And I'm mimicking it right now as I'm talking about it. <laughs> Just the whole crazy chainsaw dance thing. I thought it was so, so iconic. And I think that's why I, th I think Leatherface, I don't know why he's not up there like the other one. Even I think Ghostface, even though Ghostface is what, 10 different killers, mm -hmm. is more iconic than Leatherface. There is uh, one musician, uh, I don't remember which one of his albums it was, but um, the musician, uh, The Weeknd. Yeah. For one of his albums, every single music video was somehow, whether like it was choreographed the same way, but not having the same characters, but inspired by a lot of horror movies that he loves. And in one of the music videos, he recreates Leatherface's movements at the very end of this film, like for one of the scenes in the music video when he's like going crazy. It's like the exact same choreography and everything. Well, okay, that not uh, see. I mean, to me, I need that's... to find out what that music video was. Oh my god, that was 
I because when I first saw that a few years ago, I'm like, oh, it's Leatherface. He's doing Leatherface. <clears throat> I will say that I think the reason why I think you hit the nail on the head is that all these other people are individual killers, and he's part of a family killer group. Mm -hmm. But I know in the in the Texas 3D movie that came out, he was by himself. There was no family. Yeah, because the whole family was killed off. Yeah, so then it was just him by himself, and then obviously they tried to come out with the whole backstory of Leatherface with the movie called Leatherface, but. And that movie, I think, made like $10,000. <laughs> it did not do well at all. Yeah, it was only released in a couple of film festivals, really. That was it. And how many times, like I said, did you figure out how many times Gunner played him? Just the one time, right? In the original, correct? It was just, um, he only played him in the original film. That was it. Yeah, who, who is the, does anybody else play him more than once? I don't think so. It's usually been a different actor. I think the only time they've had the same actor carry over from the previous film would be the remake and its prequel. Yeah, because I think Freddy Krueger is the only one where the same guy played him in all of them except for the remake. Yeah. Because Michael Myers was not played by the same guy. Now, that's what I liked about the people who do Leatherface. It's like from the original with Gunnar Hansen to, or not Gunnar, whatever his name. I don't know if it's Hansen. I don't know if he's one of the Hansen brothers. But uh, but when you see all the other ones, it's like the same thing. He just it does, He's just like this psychotic guy wearing skin on his face. So it's like you don't really expect anything from him. That's why I do like the Leatherface character a lot. I just wish he was a solo character. That's why I was so happy to see the 3D one. And let me tell you, I'm not going to poo-poo it because it had great kill scenes, great this, great that. I just didn't like the whole what's feel sympathy for a guy who just killed all these people. But I kind of suppose they're trying to say he was brought into it because he was mentally disturbed, right? Is that the whole story of him? Essentially. Yeah. But I mean, I liked it. I mean, I, I, there wasn't... The only one I didn't really like, I didn't like it when he got turned into a comedy. I know Toby Hooper did part two. He loved it, but I don't think he should have did a comedy. I think that kind of ruined the whole Texas Chainsaw thing, just in my opinion. Texas Chainsaw Massacre part two was essentially Toby Hooper going, okay, I got full creative control again. This is what I wanted to make the first movie, like in the first place. Yeah, and I think he, I think he fucked up, to be honest with you. I think he fucked up the series. He fucked up everything with it. Yeah, it was like um, around the time of like Poltergeist, where he left most of like the studio world and started doing like his own shit. So that's when he, he gets did no part credit, two. No credit for that. Also, by the way, and that's when he also did um, a couple of Stephen King movies that both I don't remember which ones they are, but he directed a couple of Stephen King movies that star um, Robert England. Oh, uh, the best Stephen King movie ever directed to this date was Toby Hooper, and that was Salem's Lot in nineteen. It was a it was a miniseries on TV. If you haven't seen that, I, have you seen that or no? Yeah, the book was so dense. They're like, there's no way we can turn this into a feature film. We ought to put it on TV. The only thing, Stephen King liked it. He's like, everything, he loved it. The only thing he didn't like was they made the vampire into Nosferatu. Yeah. And the guy basically was not that at all. So they kind of reversed the roles. They made Barlow this whole like, so it was interesting how they did it. But but I, I actually, I'm probably going to watch that tonight, I think now. Well, we've got the remake to Salem's Lot coming out this year in September. Yeah, is, is that going to be a two-parter, obviously? No, it's a single movie. How can they do it a single movie? The movie was too... It's literally impossible. Because they, they did a remake of it in the early 2000s with Rob Lowe. Again, it was a 2 And partner. now the character playing the um, author in the remake is uh, uh, Bill Pullman's son. In the, in the remake now? Mm-hmm. But Toby Hooper, let me tell you something. He does not get credit. So he creates Texas Chainsaw, which I don't believe him and Bob Clark, if they don't do their movies, there is no Halloween. There is no Halloween. There is no everything else. Yeah. So I think he should get more credit, but and then like with Poltergeist, everybody always says, oh no, that's a Steven Spielberg movie. And Toby Hooper's like, no, I directed the damn movie. He's like, Steven Spielberg did not. And everybody's like, well, Steven was there. So Steven basically was. So I, I just don't think he gets any credit. 
Well, it was very much a tug and pull relationship between him and Spielberg on set of Poltergeist because most of the people who actually worked on the production with them, they would say, yeah, like Toby Hooper was there as the director, but there'd be many days where Spielberg would just all of a sudden basically metaphorically sit in Toby Hooper's director's chair uh, for a day or two, like every so often and actually just direct scenes without him directing them. Yeah, I don't uh... So wait, so let me t- let me ask you this because you probably know more about this than I do. So let's go back to Texas Chainsaw. Did he actually write the script as well? Yeah, he the screenplay for the original one is both um, Toby Hooper and one of his friends named um, Kim Henkel. If it's a, if that's how you pronounce it, but yeah, he he co-wrote it. And then he so he, but he lost creative control from the studio. Is what you were saying? That's why he couldn't make it into a comedy. Yeah, but I still think it worked. That worked out in the film's favor, making it more serious. Because like where it becomes comedic, to some people, could be just his um, crazy dad and his crazy brother. It's where he, I would say you get the comedy from, and have everything else be a bit more of a serious tone. Which what I think plays in its into its favor. You know, a part always creeps me out. Uh, it was like one of the ending scenes where that the birthday party for what the grandfather, right? Yeah, it was just like a dinner party. Yeah, or, okay, and he's got the hammer, he's going to hit. I thought that was so creepy seeing the whole family do this weird shit. Mm-hmm. And I'm guessing I'm going to go on a limb here. Actually, it's not a limb. I probably, they're, they're 100% cannibals, correct? Yes. They eat nothing but people. Well, not nothing but, but whenever they could eat a person, they would. Okay, because I know in the, in the prequel, the later one in the prequel, they talk about how they ran a, um, a meat plant or whatever. Yeah, Slaughterhouse. And it got shut down, right? Yeah, Slaughterhouse, because um, in the original film, you've got... Um, Leatherface, who knows how to cut meats and butcher things because he used to work at the slaughterhouse that was down the road. And then you've got their dad, which is the cook. He cooks everything up. And then you've just got the brother who's just fucking off the rails. <laughs> right, so I can't remember in the original, was there a policeman in the family? Like in the remake or no? No, that was completely for the remake. That was completely, okay. And I got, Arlie Ermey, I disagree with him on a lot of stuff in life, but he was one hell of an actor. No, he is. And they, they found him just... He wasn't even supposed to be an actor to begin with. His very first acting role was the um, boot camp sergeant in um, Full Metal Jacket. And yep. he was never an actor. They, When Kubrick and the casting director, they were like, to get this as realistic as possible, we're going to hire an actual army sergeant to do these scenes. So they brought him in, and that's how he became an actor. Yeah, he was a gunny sergeant. Yeah, he was... Uh... And he did all the first few roles he did was all the badass military guys. And later on, which I think he wasn't he the lead policeman, lead detective, uh, the boss of Brad Pitt and Morgan Freeman in uh, Seven. Correct. Yeah, he was also. That's what I thought. Yeah, that was also a good movie with him. But let me. So I cannot remember anybody. Is there any actor that came out of this movie that did anything else? Not really. No. So it was just a low budget movie that turned out being an iconic movie that created a whole horror genre which gets no credit for it yeah it it created a huge ripple effect in the industry like one biggest ripple effect i would say like came immediately from it was a couple years later when they were in pre-production for this film granted it wouldn't be released yet but when 20th century uh, fox was shopping around with their producer's uh, script that was written by Dan O'Bannon and um, Ronald Sushet. They were shopping around for directors for this said script, and when they talked to Ridley Scott about this, he pitched to the studio to get make sure that he got hired for the position as director. He pitched the studio, I would love to make this script as, quote, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre in space, unquote, and that movie is Alien. Oh, wow, I did not know that. I did not know that at all. Because Ridley Scott, he was like, you should hire me as a director because I'll make this feel like Texas Chainsaw Massacre in space. And he basically did for the most part. 
Which that's another series we got to get into too is the Alien series one of these days too. One funny connection with another connection with Texas Chainsaw Massacre and the Aliens franchise is the same DP who did, the same cinematographer who did the original um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre and the remake. He was also the cinematographer for the second Alien vs. Predator film, Requiem. I know we watched all those together too. I just can't remember uh, much of those. Well, the second one was the one that took place uh, in that Colorado town. Yeah, with uh, the the father and son are out hunting and they see the thing. Mm-hmm. That was the same DP for that movie too. And they, those directors, wanted to hire that cinematographer because of Ridley Scott's pitch for Alien to be Texas Chainsaw Massacre. So those two directors were like, "Hey, why don't we talk to the actual cinematographer and so see if he'll be on board?" Yeah, because uh, Alien did have a gritty feel, just like Texas Chainsaw did. Mm-hmm. And Alien also had like a lot of. Imp- implied gore when you didn't really see it quite as much just like Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I don't think you saw any did we see except for the exploding stomach that was about all I uh that was probably the goriest moment of the entire film but then the rest of it is just like really quick like micro like cuts of just really quick gore here and there kind of like how Texas Chainsaw Massacre it was, was. just scare factors what it was and it, so let me say what came first this or Black Christmas both the original Texas Chainsaw and the original Black Christmas came out the same year, 1974. Ooh, who, all right, so... So two really low-budget, gritty horror films from the same year would reverberate through time and influencing other films. Yeah, and it's so funny, it came out the same exact year. I did not know that. And I will say this, the, I, I was not a huge fan of the original Black Christmas. I still haven't seen a single version of that film, whether it's the original or the last few remakes they've done. Oh, this, the, the very first remake they did... <clears throat> highly recommend so so good my sister gets creeped out by it so <laughs> she's like yo that's so disgusting when they eat <laughs> yeah, it's i think it's i think it's really cool that out of like the decade of like the 70s we've got some of what are considered like the most famously like this is the most scariest film of all time and there would be um the exorcist then texas chainsaw massacre then alien and the, the goriest film well and the goriest film made in the 70s actually up until 1979 the goriest movie ever made the original Dawn of the Dead. Oh, yeah. It's been years since I've seen that one. Um, Roger Ebert's thing, he said, um, I see what he says, like, uh, no one told you something like, uh, no one said art always had to be in good taste. He gave Dawn of the Dead four out of four stars, called it one of the greatest movies ever made. Again, that's at the whole 70s. There was a period. See, I think it did. It really did start with Texas Chainsaw slash Black Christmas. 74 to 79. We had some intense, intensely good uh, horror film. At, I call Alien a horror film. I don't call it a sci-fi film because the original Alien is a fucking horror mm-hmm. film. It is straight up alien. It is straight up horror. I get into arguments with people about this where they say, oh no, that was a science. I'm like, no, Alien, the original Alien was a horror film, without a doubt. So I mean that one, uh, Dawn of the Dead, Halloween, you had Texas Chainsaw, Black Christmas, and then there's a there's gotta be one I'm missing. There's like so many from within that time, like just within the time of like in the middle years of the 70s, from like 72 to say like 77 or 78 like whether it was a successful film or not there were so many films that came out within that few year period that just like texas chainsaw and black christmas created what you could say like exploitation oh, cinema without a doubt. when it came to like oh it's like shock value like oh we're mutilating people uh we're throwing this in your fucking face look at this with the original texas chainsaw massacre um we've got actually some pretty good ratings for like a film that's considered like nasty and other crap like that. For example, on IMDb, we've got 7.5 out of 10 and a Metascore actually of 78 out of 100. And then over on Rotten Tomatoes, we've got an 89%, which is 
with critics and an 82% with the audience. And so it's like, even though someone could say, oh, this is like a nasty, depraved movie, who would enjoy watching this, etc.? It's still a critically highly rated film, and it's considered to this day a historical film because of what it created after it. Movies don't get credit that probably should get credit. And I think, like I said, Texas is not the first one or Black Christmas because there was a couple years earlier stuff came about, but they took it to a whole new level. Mm-hmm. They skyrocketed it. Because Black Christmas was was gritty and it was very uh, in your face. In Texas, which I still find it funny to this day, people think Texas Chainsaw is a gory film. One thing that's actually really fucking funny about it is Toby Hooper, like when he was like, when they were in production, he purposely held back on gore and any kind of swear words and shit like that because he wanted it to get the same rating that Jaws had, which was PG, surprisingly, for fucking Jaws. But it wasn't until he showed his first rough cut to the um, MPAA back in the day, they gave it a rated X. And he's like, oh, fuck, but I, oh, shit. (laughs) So they had to trim down a couple of the scenes to make it rated R, but he went in full intention, not even wanting it to be like an X-rated or R film, but then it just came out that way because of how the film made you feel the entire time. It gives you that feeling of, oh, this should be like this type of rating. That This is the energy this film was giving me. Yeah, the MPA makes no sense. I saw this movie. I think I was telling you about this. No nudity, no swear words, no drug use, nothing. But it was rated R for adult themes. And I was like, this is ridiculous. And my friend Zach, who I, he was in film school, he's like, MPA makes no sense at all. It is literally, he's like, I mean, then I saw this movie called Doc Hollywood with, uh, what's his name? Michael J. Fox. And there's a scene where a woman's coming out of the lake completely naked. You see everything. Breasts, the bush, you see everything. And yet the movie's rated PG. So it's like, how is that possible? Or PG-13, whatever it was. It wasn't rated R, put it that way. So I get so confused and it's like, if you look back, the original Texas Chainsaw would easily be rated probably PG-13 now. Would you say that or no? It would be like borderline PG-13 and R. I think it would be like in the rougher edge of PG-13. But there's no swear. I don't see any swear words. I guess for the tense factor, I suppose, but... Because like sometimes a film is rated just on how intense it is. Yeah, like like the original Halloween. That was rated R. Well, granted, they did show boobs, but so did Jaws, and Jaws was PG. Mm-hmm. Jaws had more gore than Halloween, but Jaws somehow was PG, and this was... Um... And yeah, you know, I, I don't. I never understood that. I think it's because probably what a human being killing another human being makes it worse movie. Probably. But I will say this: I mean, the cannibal stuff was kind of batshit crazy. <laughs> and how old was how old was the grandfather supposed to be? Because he looked like he was 180 years old. Oh, it's never supposed to be said, but he's supposed to be like like between 100 and 110 or something. And then yet that character is still alive 10 years later. And <laughs> yeah, which is. And then he's actually in much better shape, actually being able to get up out of his wheelchair in that one. Yeah, so he goes from 100 years old to 110. Now he can move around and dance. <laughs> but then again, like I said, I mean, um, it would have been interesting to see if they could have done gore in Texas Chainsaw, how that would have played out. What do you think? I, I think either way. Back then, back then, there was no gory films for the most part. For the most part, compared to like some shit you see today. But I feel like... Um, I think the film does well as it is without it because it works enough to portray like this tone. But at the same time, if you also added in all that blood and gore, I think after the fact, if it had blood and gore back in then, comparing it to like today, I don't think it would have as much. It would still have a huge impact, but I think it'd be a little less of an impact because then people would go, oh, this film is just blood and gore, uh, kind of like how they say. And then they go watch the original one as it is. and like, oh, that's not really bloody at all. But if it was all blood and gore, then those same people would be like, oh yeah, well, it's still blood and gore. It's all it is. I would agree with that too, because like I said, the original Halloween, 
There was no blood in that. That was good. And then, see, Friday the 13th did a good thing where they combined gore and a storyline and a, uh, what do you call it, character development. They did all three. Because you knew who these characters were by the time the movie ended. You know, Ned was the Joker. This guy was that. So, I mean, they did great character development with mixing the gore in there. But again, this is, what, six years after Texas came out? Because Friday the 13th was more so inspired by a bit of a combination of like Halloween and Black Christmas as in, oh, let's continue this, like maybe make it a, a, a fad of, um, oh, it's like horror movies based on like a holiday or like a specific day type thing. Oh, what's his name? Victor Miller, right? Yeah. All right. So he literally on this documentary, it's called uh, The Movies That Made Us. It's on Netflix. Sean Cunningham called me up and said, hey, I want to rip off Halloween. <laughs> he's like, write us, let's rip off Halloween. Let's do it. And then he's like, that's word for word. That's Sean. And Sean Cunningham was, yep, that's what I said. <laughs> <laughs> It's just like how like every number of years you get something that just inspires cinema for like another like five or ten years. And then we'll say this. All right. So let's put Texas, the original Texas, the original Halloween, original Friday, and original Nightmare. If you have those four, you put them together, which one would you say gives the more, shows more tension in the movie from beginning to end? For me personally, my answer is going to shock you, but yes, let's hear yours. <laughs> For me, out of those handful of movies, personally, oh, that's a that that's a tough one. But I I think I would have to go with the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. That's the one I would pick too. As I said, my answer would surprise you because <laughs> I for sure thought you're going to fucking say Halloween. <laughs> no, no, no. The minute you saw them in the van. It was just, it was, you just knew, you could feel the tension in the van. Because back in, yeah, because it was like back in the 1970s, you see this opening, like, before you see the guy is, and it's like, oh, it's like, because, like, everyone was fucking hitchhiking, like, 50s, 60s, and 70s was a way to get around. Yeah. So it's like, oh, this is a normal day for these guys. I don't know what's going to happen. And then you cut to, like, just the shot of all of them just staring just past the camera, this guy, and the looks on their faces, and they're just, like, completely silent, and they're like... Um, so what's going on? And then you cut over to the next shot and you see Leatherface's brother and he's like this creepy, like fucking guy. And Franklin, the guy in the wheelchair goes, I think we just picked up Dracula. <laughs> yeah, I know. Cause, um, Halloween obviously didn't from, I mean, there was tension in it. Yes. But not from beginning to end. Cause there was like a lot of the phone calls, the comedic stuff that was happening. So, I mean, but Texas really didn't have much comedic stuff in there for the most part. It's just the way you can find the comedy is how fucking crazy in the third act that the brother and dad are acting, really, and Leatherface yeah. making all the pig noises. Yeah, and that's more very dark. I don't know if I'd call that comedy, just more like fucking psychotic. Yeah, just it makes you feel unsettled to the point that some people are so unsettled that they laugh at it. And I think that's what, you know what, I, I would say that's how I felt. That's why for, it took me years to actually like Texas. Uh, because of the, it just, there was, the craziness was so weird at the end of the movie. Oh, that's why I love it. Oh my God. And I especially love the way that, um, Toby is directing, um, his cinematographer, Daniel, the, the way they shoot that scene, especially whenever, um, like the more she's screaming and the more you can hear her like breath crackling under her screaming. Cause she's just like screaming to have whatever last breath that she can for like 20 minutes. And these like shots going back and forth between close-ups of the family members making weird faces and making weird noises and close-ups to her face. And each time you get back to her and it's closer and closer to where you just get like this extreme close-up to like her, the entire screen. It's like just her eyeball. And she's like just frantically looking around and she's screaming and just like, it's so in, like in the way the music is going with like the high, like noted, like string instrument, like ying, ying, ying. It like just gets you in your head. And I'm like, I, this execution makes you feel like you're actually her. And I love this. 
Here's what I will say. We didn't even talk about this, by the way, is the scariest scene to me in Texas Chainsaw because every horror film you see, when someone escapes, they escape. Texas, she runs out the house. She escapes him there, runs out of the house. You think she's clear and scot-free. Then, boom, he just rushes outside the house, grabs her, and drags her back in. Then puts her on the meat hook. Literally, I thought she escaped. I thought, oh, she made it out. She's got... Then all of a sudden, he comes running out, grabs her, brings her back in. Then the whole meat hook scene. Yeah, because her boyfriend, um, Kurt, is the first victim like, as he accidentally trips forward into Leatherface's like grasp and Leatherface just beats him in with like the cleaver and then she goes like in looking for him. She gets stuck in the um, one of the living rooms. It's all like carcasses and feathers and furniture made out of bones and mm-hmm. she freaks the fuck out, sees him, goes to run out. He grabs her, pulls her back in and that shot actually is homage and recreated in Rob Zombie's Halloween where she opens up the door, tries to run out, he grabs her and pulls her back in. It's in Rob Zombie's Halloween. Uh, Michael Myers says that to Annie. Okay, well, that's Rob Zombie's Halloween. We don't talk about that in this <laughs> I talk about it, no, okay? No, you can, yeah. <laughs> but no, I think that is, I literally think that has got to be in all the horror films that have been made, slasher, if you want to call this a slasher film, which I don't know if you want to or not. I don't know if this falls under necessarily the slasher genre, but um, for sure, that scene right there, because like I told you, man, if you watch every horror film made from 74 to 1989, the, the 15 year slasher craze, when someone escapes, they escape. There was no, oh, they, they, they were just, they were gone. They escaped. They were free and clear. And this movie, <clears throat> which kicked it all off for the most part, you were just shocked. And it's like, I don't know why more horror films didn't do that. Because mm-hmm. if you think about it, Halloween, did anybody escape and then get brought back in? No. Friday the 13th? No. I mean, no, it, was just, it was just, you're there, you're killed, boom. And you've got every single one of um, the chase scenes with um, Sally where she can just... Leatherface is like, for example, after she, after Leatherface chopped up her brother, he's like chasing her like nonstop for like 15 minutes, like literally right at almost reaching grass for like 15 minutes straight this entire chase. And it's like, holy fucking shit. I like, you don't really see that in movies where we stay on a chase scene for that long. No, and see, as I said, Toby Hooper with this movie, I mean, I, so going back to a previous podcast we did about character development, slow movie, was Texas Chainsaw a slow movie? Yes, it was absolutely a very slow, even in their action scenes, it was very slow, but in a good way. It built uh, suspense, tension. It made you want to cover your eyes. Oh my God, is someone going to jump out and get me? Because literally the wheelchair chainsaw scene, grabbing the girl, bringing her back into the house. All the, And then at the end of the movie, you did not know if she was going to escape or not because other people who have seemingly almost escaped got killed and here he is chasing after her at the truck. So it's like, mm-hmm. you didn't know. So he did a great job of, hey, this is this is it. You're not going to know who's going to survive, who's going to die. If there's going to be a final person, there's not going to be a final. So he just, I really think that my appreciation of this movie has changed over time. At first, you asked me if I liked Texas. I would say, no, I didn't like it at all. I would say over the last like 10 years or so, I've gotten to appreciate it more. I do still, don't get me wrong. I still do like the remake better only because of the, the look of it, it looks more modern, I suppose, even though it mm-hmm. takes place at the same time. But the original one, I will say this, I think created more suspense than any movie I think I've ever seen. In this genre, I mean. Because I can't think of another one that has that, that suspense. Yeah, I think it receives an A plus for that. I don't know if you can think of one. Not off the top of my head, but it, it, it's, it's up there. And it's still on many like lists and catalogs. It's, this is still listed as the scary, aside from like maybe The Exorcist in some lists, this is considered like the scariest film ever made. Ever since I saw Scary Movie 2, I laugh at The Exorcist now. Oh yeah, even when I first watched Exorcist for the first time, 
I didn't even think it was that scary. Then again, I probably didn't go into it with the correct mindset. And I was only like, what, like 14 or some shit when I first saw it, I think. <laughs> and like Texas Chainsaw is like the fear of like going on a road trip. Yeah, and picking a, yeah, just your car breaking down in the middle of fucking nowhere on one of these two lane highways with a population of zero. Mm-hmm. So Texas is your favorite out of the big four. Would you call Texas your favorite? Yes. Oh, let's throw Scream in there, the big five. We'll throw Scream as well in there. So out of the big five, you call Texas your favorite? Yes. Franchise-wise, would you not... But franchise-wise, it's not going to be up there, correct? No, because there isn't really a... To me, there is not a franchise for Texas Chainsaw Massacre. It's just a lot of random movies that can and cannot like take place after the original. Like It's, it's just... There's no, what you would say, continuity between like a franchise. There's like a couple like starts here and there, but it's just a bunch of standalone movies to me. Yeah, and well, there's eight of them, right? Total of eight? Something like that now, yeah. And now the new one coming out is going to be nine, which you said is going to be the only direct sequel to a movie for the most part. Well, because we had um, Texas Chainsaw 3D. That was its own present day sequel to the original one. And this one, from what I've heard and seen a little bit of, they're trying to play it more closely to the actual tone of the original film and the uh, producer co-writer of it is Fede Alvarez who was the guy who did the reboot of Evil Dead and did the first Don't Breathe film so I'm like oh I'm excited for the for this because I loved the grittiness of those two movies that felt very much like the exploitive like 70s horror cinema that Texas Chainsaw Massacre helped start but my other gripe is I'm kind of scared because Fede Alvarez also did the horrible adaptation of the girl in the spider's web. Oh, that was horrible. Oh my god! And that was the last. How excited you were to see that. And that's the last ever um, dragon tattoo film we're ever going to get. Also. Yeah, because it got messed up. And it made no money. <laughs> All right, so here, do your thing. What's the, what's the numbers compared to uh, on this guy? And compared to the, I'm just compared to the remake if you can as well. I'm just curious. To compare, say the original film and the remake. The original film on IMDb has seven point five out of ten. And the remake has 6.2 out of 10, which still is not bad for a horror film in general. That's a pretty good rating. I would say so. And a lot of people actually tend to forget that Michael Bay is the producer of the remake. And it's actually um, the same producer's team and the same director. They all did the remake of Friday 13th, which I really liked. (laughs) But also, um, for the original versus the remake, we've got a 78 out of 100 for Metascore. And then our remake, we've got 38 out of 100 on Metascore. Ooh, interesting. Probably because of the gore, I'm guessing. Maybe. Then, of course, as I mentioned earlier, for Rotten Tomatoes, we've got the critic score of the original one being 89% and the remake being 37%. But then the audience score doesn't favor very well either for the two. The original one, of course, we got the high rating of 82%, but the remake falls down to 58%. I don't remember too much difference in these movies to make such a a sharp contrast in why they... I, I. I really didn't see it. I think, in a way, the best way I can describe it, the tone between the two of them is the original one is exceptionally exceptionally unique on its own right versus the remake, to me, felt more like a run-of-the-mill horror movie of like, oh, we have to check this box off, check this box off, check this box off type movie. And are you thinking also the dynamic between the brother and sister in the first one because of him being in a wheelchair changed that in the remake? I don't think that had anything to really do with it because, like, for example, they changed, like, they had all the same types of relationships, but all their names are changed. So essentially, it wasn't the same people. But I, I, I don't, I'm not sure what the divide is. Granted, I haven't rewatched the remake in years, but I feel like it was people having higher hopes 
and then just being let down probably. And then box office wise, um, it did around as well as what the original one did, adjusted for inflation. Because back in two thousand and three, the original Texas the the remake got worldwide one hundred and seven million dollars, which is about what with inflation the original film would have been at that same time. So financially, they're about the same. I wonder why they didn't do a sequel. They did a prequel instead. That I think that's what screwed it up. Well, also at the end of I don't know, but at the I I think they never intended to have a sequel, but they still had like that cliffhanger ending of the police never catching Leatherface. Right. Yeah. But then also people tend to forget that at the end of um, the remake, um, Leatherface would have a bit more of a challenge to hunt people because um, Jessica Biel cut off one of his arms to get away. Yeah, I totally forgot about that part actually. Because it was when um, they went back to the, she was hiding in like one of the workers' lockers at the slaughterhouse, and she he's going through the lockers trying to find her. And then she jumps out at him and with like a I think a machete or a meat cleaver or something like that, and like just starts whacking at his arm and cuts off his arm, and that's how she escapes. And who was oh Eric Belfour? Oh my God! And Jonathan Tucker. They had a hot cast actually. <laughs> they those two guys. Oh my God. I liked the guy, the 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 blonde guy. That's the one I liked. Mike Vogel, one. the one who played Andy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not gonna. I would not kick any of them out of bed. So, <laughs> so on a hotness factor, I would say Texas 2003 for sure is the better one. <laughs> maybe that's why I liked it. Maybe that's why I liked it so much because the characters were so hot. That and maybe for for me, the remake of Texas Chainsaw also felt a bit more like, in a way, I felt closer to some of the old school vibes of Nightmare on Elm Street and Friday 13th, which you love those ones. And I, I, that one, I feel like the remake could fit in with that type of crowd. Wait, which, which one? You, you, would or wouldn't? Would. Would, okay. Oh, no, I, 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 would, uh, I would agree with you on that, actually. I think that the thing is, comparing um, all the other horror films out there, this obviously is, the original Texas is probably the most unique one. Yeah, like... The whole vibe of like in the tone and the feeling of all of the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre, I just fucking love. Like especially with like, oh, I'm just gonna walk, go into the theater. Oh, let's watch this movie. And all of a sudden, it's like there's no music. It's just a like black screen. And then all of a sudden, you get like this like deeper voice narrator with scrolling text talking about how this happened and this happened. And so it feels like try to play it off on like uh, based on true events vibe. But to me, it feels more like the current like true crime craze of the past like ten years. Like oh. Like, this would fit really well in the past 10 years, like, having a film opening like this. Like, this is really cool. And that narrator, granted, I can't remember his name, but the guy who narrated the opening part of the film, he got paid his payment just for doing that opening narration for that day. It was just a joint. A joint? Really? They're like, hey, we can't really pay you, but here's some pot. He's like, okay, I'll do it for that pot. And that voice <laughs> is so iconic. And he's back for the opening title crawl text for the upcoming uh, sequel that comes out the day this episode drops on Netflix. What was that guy's name? Do you know offhand? Um, let me look it up. It was, oh, I found it. I cannot pronounce his last name, but it is John Larroquette, something like that. Uh, you, really? What? That's John Larroquette. You don't know who that is? Nope. He played the most iconic, in my opinion, television character in the history of TV from 84 to 92. He was on a show called Night Court and played the womanizing... Horrible Dan Fielding. Yeah. Okay. I just looked. I just looked him up. I recognize his face now, but I couldn't tell you what I've seen him in. I just tell you I've seen his face before. <laughs> oh, he's been in a lot of. He's been in so many, so many things. Yeah, John Larroquette. I forgot that was him. Yeah, and he's doing the opening for the new movie. Off the wall characters, and he is just so good at it. Now that he's older, I don't think he plays the uh, off the wall characters anymore. But all right. So, what would you? Uh, 
All right, but before we go, let's. I will say this. There are basically slasher franchises out of the five, which I'll throw Scream in there, um, Friday the 13th, Halloween, Nightmare on Elm Street, and then this one, Texas. I guess it's kind of a franchise. I don't know, but like you said, they all seem to be standalone movies for the most part. But I will say this. Uh, the original Texas, I don't think gets enough credit for being the good movies. As it, even for me, it didn't get enough credit for me. Even for, I like the remake better, but... I think this one kicked it off of we would not have had anything if it wasn't for this. Mm -hmm. So I would definitely let people know if you have not seen Texas Chainsaw Massacre, see this one, skip two, three, and four, <laughs> and then go to the remake and then the prequel to the remake. Those are the three I would suggest seeing. Yeah, because there is a reason why the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre is considered at today a historical film. So there's a reason there. You should see it to see what has made it historical and how it's so unique to make it that little badge of honor. And, you know, not to, I mean, like I said, there's the, the two scenes that really stick out for me, which I think they stick out for you too, is the wheelchair and then running out of the house. Cause that's just like, and the third is the ending. And those three things, they're very, I don't know why I never liked that as much as I like the other ones, but. My other film that ties with this one as my favorite, favorite horror film of all time, if maybe we do an episode about it one day, is Ari Aster's Midsommar. And I would say, in a way, the ending of Midsommar and the ending of the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre are very similar. You both get your lead final girl who, in different circumstances, she has finally snapped and her brain has now accepted a new reality where in Midsommar, she has snapped and accepted a new reality as in she's now fully enveloped into this cult. She sentenced her boyfriend to death and the final shot is her of like her face in agony and slowly turns into this deranged like happy smile and then you get texted chainsaw massacre where she snapped out of reality and just completely mentally disturbed now because of her experience with this family where she's covered in blood from head to toe and screaming at the top of her lungs turning into this like mechanical like maniac laugh as she's just fucking snapped and what other one of your favorite movies has the same thing with the girl snaps at the end Yes, uh, Rob Zombie's Halloween 2 does the same thing. No, would you shut up? No one cares about that one. <laughs> Friday the 13th Part 3, how she was going crazy. Uh, that one didn't have the same effect to me. <sighs> you always, you always got to figure out a way to throw Rob Zombie's Halloween 1 and 2 in there. Sorry, I like Rob Zombie films. <laughs> All right, you can like his films, but don't 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 like his Halloweens. I think if they just call him Rob Zombie, sure. Then maybe, but th they, to me, they just not fit the Halloween. Well, there is one Rob Zombie film we are 100% going to do an episode sometime down the line, and that would be The Lords of Salem, and I fucking love that movie. Oh, I thought you were talking about The Monsters. He's going to, because they're doing The Monsters. Is that a movie or a TV series? It's a movie. They're filming it right now. No, I know. It's almost done. He keeps doing all these still photos. And of course, his wife is in it again. She's playing Lily. Is there anything his wife can't be in? I'm just saying. No, but I also think she's, like, I've seen her in some actual serious roles, and she does good, like, Lords of Salem, it's an actual serious role. All right, well, uh, what are we talking about next? Um, tuning in next week, uh, since we just covered my favorite horror film of all time, The Texas Chainsaw Massacre, next week, we get to cover Billy's favorite horror film, maybe favorite film of all time, The Thing. Yes, Mr. John Carpenter's The Thing. <laughs> all right, uh, send us off as usual. So just go ahead and just um, keep listening to us. We're going to keep pumping out these episodes because um, we also just like talking about horror films, so we might as well have an audience. <laughs> That's why we do this on the phone all the time, so we figure we might as well just record ourselves doing it and let people listen to what we actually say. <laughs> so hopefully you guys tune in next week for The Thing. Thanks, guys. Take care, guys. Bye.